Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hi, I'm Craig Ellingson, sports editor at the Edmonton Journal and the Edmonton Sun, and this is our Oilers podcast for March 10th, 2017. With me in the studio today, we've got Jim Matheson, our Hockey Hall of Fame writer. Hello. And special guest today, Stu Cowan from the Montreal Gazette in town to cover the Canadians and the Oilers on Sunday. Happy to be here. Thanks for coming. Uh, flying in from Calgary yep, that in a snowstorm. <laughs> Uh, good thing, you know, bus, yeah, well, it's I'm actually, sure that, I'm It's sure colder the bus in Montreal there. today than it is here, apparently. Well, you know, the last time I was in Montreal a couple of years ago, I think it froze to death, <laughs> so I think it was only minus 10, but, you know, you had the humidity and the wind, and although, you know, the prairies have its, have its own challenges, you know, Manitoba, Saskatchewan recently buried under 100, you know, snow and 100 kilometer winds. Of course, you know more about that, Maddie, than I do, since <laughs> Manitoba. Since I walked... Guy. Five miles to school backwards because the snow, the wind was blowing <laughs> in my face when I was a kid. Is that what, uphill? Is that what you're saying? I've been unlucky on this trip. It was snowing in Vancouver when I was there, so it's uh, it hasn't been a good weather trip. Yes, well, you'll have to come out here for uh, you know maybe if the Montreal Impact play the FC Edmonton in the there Canadian Championship there or something. But that would be in December with that schedule. So oh, is it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think they try to get that out of the way by the yeah, end that's of May. Actually, that's so. true. But you know, it's snow in that's May true. in Edmonton is not unheard of. So, anyways, uh. Orders and Canadians, that is on Sunday. Of course, the Orders still have to play a game tonight against the Pittsburgh Penguins. So, you know, talking about Edmonton versus Montreal, we have to talk about Pittsburgh first. And, you know, good things we have Stu here since he sees the Pittsburgh Penguins a little more than the writers do in Edmonton. Um, Sidney Crosby is and Evgeny Malkin are chasing McDavid for the scoring title. That's the big thing for us. Well, not, never mind the return of Justin Schultz. But um, yeah, you know, in the East, too, uh, we have we have Washington and Pittsburgh are the you know looking like the class of the East, and then do we have everybody else? Or basically, that's about it. I mean, with the Canadians, the game last night in Calgary was the Canadians in a nutshell. Carey Price didn't play. Al Montoya played really well, but Al Montoya is not Carey Price, and he held them in the game for the, about half the game, and then after that, the wheels fell off. They lost five nothing. Canadians can't score. It's been a, an ongoing problem. They started the season scoring well. They have two guys on the roster with more than 40 points, Max Pacioretty and uh, Alex Radulov. So you wonder where they would be if they hadn't picked up Radulov as a free agent. You know, Mark Bergeron took a gamble on him. It's paid off very well. He's been out the last couple of games with a lower body injury. And Max Pacioretty has been their best player. He's a you 30-goal know, marker already. So uh, those are the two guys that it's hard to win when you 
you're counting on one or two guys for offense. Uh, Alex Galchenyuk is second or third in goals, and he's missed like 20 games with knee injuries. So there's not a lot of depth in scoring, which Washington and Pittsburgh do have. So you know, if they run into those guys in the playoffs, uh, I don't like Montreal's chances. I, I don't like Montreal's chances. I don't like anybody's chances except Pittsburgh and Washington, although Columbus has played awfully well this year too. So I'm sure the Washington Capitals are hoping they don't see the Pittsburgh Penguins in the second round of the playoffs mm-hmm. because they can't beat Washington. You know, Washington can't beat Pittsburgh, so we'll see. Now, you know, we don't, I don't think we need to talk anything more. I mean, Sidney Crosby is Sidney Crosby. Malkin is Malkin. Yeah, and the thing is, I mean, Washington, look what they did at the trade deadline. They, they're all in. Right? Yeah. This is a team that has a history of uh, losing, finding ways to lose in the playoffs, and uh, they're all in this year. You know, Mark Bergeron was very, very conservative with his moves at the uh, trade deadline. Basically, basically did nothing to improve their scoring. He made the team a bit bigger, but uh, you know, now they, have a big, they had a big fourth line last night with uh, McCarron and Ott and Martinson, but they're not going to score. So it's, uh, you know, Washington's all in. So, Yeah. Staying with the playoffs, I mean, this year, as compared to last year, last year we just had one Canadian team in the playoffs, Montreal. This year, five Canadian teams look like they could make it, including Edmonton. Um, that, you know, I, I think across the country, obviously that makes it more exciting for more people. Makes it more exciting for Sportsnet with $5 billion <laughs> no in their kidding. TV package. <laughs> no kidding. The, the advertisers were running away and hiding last year in the playoffs with no Canadian teams in it. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's uh, the way it should be. And, and uh, most people figured Vancouver wouldn't make the playoffs. Winnipeg is Winnipeg. I mean, they look like a player, a team, but they're not a team. So they'll probably miss the playoffs. And I know they're hoping, Sportsnet is hoping every day that Toronto makes it. Uh, so at least they've got Austin Matthews and Toronto in the playoffs. So uh, The Oilers, uh, they're going to make the playoffs, I would suspect, but it's time they started taking care of their own business instead of looking at the out-of-town scoreboard every night to see how San Jose and Anaheim and Calgary are doing. They've got to start winning some games. They're 7-8 and eight since the All-Star break, so they're under 500 since the All-Star break. And... Uh, Maybe they were playing above their heads before that, but they're backing into the playoffs at 7-8 and eight in the last 15 games. On the TV angle, uh, the French-language TV in, in Quebec, uh, it's RDS and TVS Sports split it. TVS Sports has the Saturday night games and the playoffs, and there was no playoffs last year, so they really took a hit with that. Uh, uh, the thing, what, What's sort of nice with the other teams is, uh, you know, covering the Canadians is like watching the Leafs, watching the Oilers is the young talent they have, the exciting young talent they have. You know, the most exciting player the Canadians had, P.K. Subban, they got rid of him. So there's no really nobody in Montreal now who brings fans out of their seats and gets people really excited when they have the puck. You know, Max Patrick is a goal scorer, but he's a shooter. He's not the guy who's going to carry the puck down the ice and make fancy moves. So uh, just for myself personally, as a, as a hockey fan, not even a writer, I've enjoyed watching the Oilers when they're on TV and the Leafs also, just seeing all that young talent out there. It's fun to watch. Now, of course, here in Edmonton, we've had a lot of you know a bunch of young talents uh, around for a while, and you know it hasn't always it hasn't turned out quite the way. And uh, you know, except for now, you know, with Connor McDavid on board, um, you know, we talk about teams in transition. You know, the core of the Canadians is getting older, um, and you know, it's the, it's always is it always that fine balance trying to balance the veterans, your star players, your core players, and introducing new players. Uh, you know, we were talking before the podcast, you know. Uh, you know, Sergachev is on the is a prospect in the Canadian system. Working him in, um, obviously with the Oilers, uh, is a, it's a different situation altogether. But you know, and then we, and this year we have Detroit looking like they might not make the playoffs for the first time since 1991. 
Um, and of course, they're the gold standard in the NHL for finding that balance year after year after year and turning over the roster. It is a tricky thing, isn't it? It is. I mean, we were just talking earlier and saying, you know, with the Canadians, Mark Bergevin, you know, we're saying Washington's all in. Mark Bergevin was so conservative. And as you were saying, you know, they went out and got Shea Weber. Shea Weber's not getting any quicker or any better. He's on the down slope of his career. And to not go for it now, you wonder what his strategy is. When Bergevin had his uh, uh, press conference after the trade deadline, I asked him, I said, what about the window of opportunity? He just said, I don't believe in that. But, you know, Carey Price has one more year in his contract. Max Petrate has a couple more years. They're getting older. Is, is Carey Price going to want to stay in Montreal if he doesn't see that there's a Stanley Cup chance there? Would he rather come out west? You know, he's a B.C. boy. Uh, so I think there is a sh- really small window of opportunity for the Canadians, no matter what Mark Bergevin says. He thinks different, obviously, but um, you know, it's it's. I can't see the Canadians going far in the playoffs this season. I don't think they have enough offense, and Sergachev is a really good player. But if you want to get something, you have to give up something. So. Well, let's put it this way: he probably took a look at his roster and said, "We got no chance against Washington, Pittsburgh. Even if I trade, make a bigger trade, we're not good enough." But in the summertime. You know, theoretically, if he wants to trade for Duchesne, he can trade for Duchesne. Uh, I suspect he better trade for Duchesne because they don't have enough offense in today's game. The reason Washington and Pittsburgh are so good is because you can get about nine deep in terms of players who can get offense uh, at forward. So to, to try to keep up with those teams, you need some more offensive players. And uh, if you have to sacrifice Sergachev, who's uh, 19 years old, uh, you, you better do it with a, a, a core, you know. There's a different team winning every year, and I can see how Mark says, oh, there's, I don't believe in that window thing. But, you know, as the players get into their 30s, uh, they're not the players they were when they were 26, 27 either. So the orders are building with young players. They need some older players probably uh, at forward, you know, a, apart from from Milan Lucic and they could use a few older players to help out the McDavid's and Dreisaitl's. Yeah, and the Canadians just they've been weak Such. down the middle for so long. I mean, Philip Dano is their number one center. He's gone 20 games without a goal. You know, he's a solid two-way player, but he's not a not a first-line center. They still haven't decided, was it five years now to get us into Alex Galchenyuk's career? They still haven't decided if he's a center or a winger. They keep moving him back and forth. They've had him playing center on the second line now. But, you know, a guy like Duchesne would, would fit in real nice in Montreal. They just they have, they have no scoring out of the center position, and it's, uh, it's a big problem. You know, just, uh, you know, circling back to talk for the playoffs since it's on my list here or at least it should have been um, you know here you know just given the way the standings are and the, and the way things are going although we still have plenty of games to play you know the prospect of having a battle of Alberta in the playoffs for the first time in a long time you know has people a little bit excited you know can't, can't always count on that happening but you know, think about that rivalry that, that playoff potential there and, and what it's produced in the past you know and I think about other examples of that, you know, particularly in Canada, um, and I think about the Canadians. Now, once upon a time, the Battle of Quebec was very entertaining in the 80s when the Nordiques and the Habs would play. But, you know, and of course, there's always Montreal-Toronto, maybe Montreal and Ottawa, Toronto and Ottawa. But really, for Montreal, it's the Bruins, isn't it? Well, yes and no, it is. It has been the Bruins in recent years since the Leafs haven't been good for so long. Mm -hmm. But now, if the Leafs and Canadians get in the playoffs and they meet, that would just be... Talk about, talk about Sportsnet before. I mean, you can imagine the ratings would be through the roof. Right, and it'd be great for both franchises, both cities, the NHL, the TV. It'd be it'd be fantastic for everybody. So that's something that I think people in both cities would be excited to see. 
And we'll just talk about the Battle of Alberta. The Flames really impressed me last night. They seem to have a good combination of size and skill. You know, Johnny Hockey's so fun to watch in person. Uh, Kachuk made a beautiful setup on the first goal that Giordano scored. Uh, basically froze the two defensemen on the Canadian, set him up alone in the slot. So they've been, and Brian Elliott's one of these, what, eight in a row, uh, no, it's 12, one and one or something in his last 14 games. So the, the Flames, look, they impressed me last night. They're a good hockey team, and they're getting hot at the right time. Well, the only way Calgary's playing Edmonton is if Anaheim drops out of the race because it's going to be because San Jose is going to finish first in the division. So it's two versus three. So Anaheim has to go somewhere, and uh, you know, are they are they going to drop completely to fourth? Uh, I don't really see that, uh, but that would be very interesting, and it would certainly be better for travel and better for deadlines for <laughs> newspapers. You know, orders and Habs, I mean, of course, at the trade deadline, we had a trade between the two teams. Mm -hmm. David DeHarnay came to Edmonton, smaller center for Brandon Davidson, uh, defenseman now with the, wearing the same number. Number 88. Number 88. You Only said the third player in Canadian's history to wear number 88. Xavier DeLille, and I'm trying to remember who the other guy was. It slips my mind right now. But well, there were, you, there were forgettable players. Remember, I was going to yeah, say, yeah, yeah. if you can't remember, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. he's even worse than <laughs> yeah, exactly. Xavier DeLille. Exactly. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's hard to forget the name Xavier DeLille, but uh, yeah, there's, there's only play one game? Guy. I Would think so, maybe one or two. Oh, okay. So... Yeah. Uh, um, but, uh, but, you know, Davidson made his debut Tuesday night in Vancouver. He was paired with Jeff Beecher. He looked good. They were on for uh, the one goal Vancouver scored, but he looked pretty solid. He moved the puck well, and I was surprised that the uh, last night against Calgary, he, he was out, and Alexi Emelin, who has really struggled, was back in the lineup, and Emelin was minus three last night. So it might be a decision that uh, Claude Julien regrets making. But, you know, Mark Bergevin, <coughs> excuse me, Mark Bergevin has a collection of sixth and seventh and eighth defensemen. He seems to love those guys. He seems to go after guys that maybe remind him of himself. You know, he was a, a sort of stay-at-home, solid defenseman. But, uh, you know, Davidson impressed me in his debut, and I was surprised that he wasn't back in the lineup uh, uh, last night in Calgary. And I would be surprised if maybe he's not back in the lineup uh, against the Oilers. I don't know, you know, maybe Emlyn needs to sit again. Well, <laughs> if you can't that. play Davidson against the team that you – yeah, used to play on. You're not playing them. Uh, mm -hmm. Although Neil Yakupov didn't play against the Oilers last time. The Oilers were in St. Louis, but I'm sure the coaches can take a look at minus three and then take a look at the Oilers are, are playing Montreal and Davidson was on the team. And if he's not playing, then there's, they're not looking at the right thing because if he's going to play a really good game, it'll be against his old team. Mm -hmm. And then David Dayarney playing against his old team. Will he uh, be in the lineup? You think? Uh, he's the third line center. Mm -hmm. He's uh, yeah, he, he didn't play a lot the last game, though. Even the third period, he only played a little more than two minutes. So mm -hmm. they were behind in the game, and they pretty much loaded up on the first two lines, and the third line didn't get a lot of work, but he only played two minutes. So he's been pretty good, uh, not very good in the face-off circle, which is what uh, the order's problem is. Uh, he's made some nice <laughs> plays. He looks like a you know he's got some creativity, and they will get him on the second power play eventually because Drake Kajula, the rookie, has been there, but he's not playing now, so I would imagine that Dayarnay would be in the second power play unit pretty soon. He's definitely at the end of his career. He has, this is his last year in his contract. It'll be interesting to see if somebody else picks him up next year or what happens. But, you know, he's a great story. I mean, he, the only reason he's even in the NHL is because of Guy Carboneau. Because Guy Carboneau was one of the owners of the Shakutami Jr. team when David Darnay played there, and he was a big scoring star, you know, small guy, but a scoring star. And Carboneau basically asked that he was head coach of the Canes at the time, basically as a favor, asked them to invite him to the rookie camp, and they did. And he ended up playing in the ECHL in Cincinnati that 
the next season, won the scoring championship, led them to the uh, ECHL championship, then moved up to the AHL and then made it to the NHL. So it's he's, he's quite a he's, he's a, you know the guy's fought for everything he's got to even make it to the NHL. And uh, you know when he left Montreal at his press conference, he was saying that he tried to enjoy every single minute. He was with the Canadians, and he said, you know, being a healthy scratch in the NHL is better than playing in the ECHL or the AHL. So, you know, he's, he's a good story. It's sort of a feel-good story just to even got to the NHL. But, no, he's at the, the end of the line right now. Well, he's never going to find a better team, though, better time to be a little player. I mean, there's mm-hmm. lots of little players playing in the NHL. Now, if the, if the L.A. Kings were winning Stanley Cups or the Boston Bruins in their, in their day, all of a sudden Small would be out. But Small's back in. You know, Pittsburgh proved that in the playoffs last year. Small's back in. And, uh, you know, as long as he puts up a few points, I'm sure in the summer somebody will invite him to training camp next year. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, why wouldn't uh, Vegas, whatever, Golden Knights invite him to training camp if, uh, if as a free agent next summer if they don't have much at forward? Yep. And they'll have lots of defensemen to pick in the, from in the uh, expansion draft, but not too many forwards. Yeah, the thing with Darren, too, he doesn't, doesn't really have the wheels now that some of the other, you know, like a Paul Byron guy, for example, has. But, uh, you yeah, know, we'll see what happens next year if he's, if he's back in or not. Yeah. Now, this trade wouldn't have happened like a lot of others we've seen around the trade deadline. If there wasn't an NHL expansion draft, isn't that right? I mean, they, you know, we can't have enough de- depth defensemen, but okay. just the way it goes, um, you know, Davidson... Was they were going to lose Davidson probably in the expansion draft, and Jim Matheson has a phone call. <laughs> well, it could be worse. It could be the that's old. A fine, that's a good thing John Tortorella is not sitting in here. That's it could <laughs> be the old-fashioned <laughs> ringing phone and just totally <laughs> grind through the microphone. But you know, the expansion draft is obviously is playing a part in uh, in you know this particular transaction we're talking about, but others across the NHL too. And it, I guess it is a bit of a shame. You know, teams don't draft players and develop them only to just have to, you know, I hate to say it, maybe even give Davidson away, even though he is in his mid-20s, he's coming into his prime. And will he ever be more than second at best pairing defenseman? Probably not. No, I wouldn't. He's going to be in the expansion. They would have had to expose him in the expansion draft anyway, Davidson. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And there's a possibility they'd lose him for nothing. So they get a player now, Dayarnay, who's unrestricted free agent, who won't have to be... They won't protect them. They don't have to. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, nobody's picking unrestricted free agents probably in the in the expansion draft. So it was worth the gamble. I mean, they got Montreal to pay some of the contracts. So um, the accountants run the trade deadline now anyway because every deal had a component where the team trading a guy making some money, they picked up some of it. So the accountants run the, the trading deadline now. Yeah, it really is interesting too. There was one of the trades, can't remember which one, but the team maintained four point eight percent or yeah, something. That was of the, yeah, yeah, no, it wasn't five or four. It was four point eight or four point seven percent of the contract, which just shows you with the the salary cap how GMs and and their assistants are juggling things just to try and stay under it. Yeah, you know, I wanted to bring up uh, you know t- speaking about trades um, last summer. Uh, of course, we had two big blockbuster deals on the same day last June. One of them being Taylor Hall to New Jersey for Adam Larson. The other being, you know, which which overshadowed it. I mean, any given day, though, these trades would have been big. Shea Weber to Montreal for P.K. Subban. Now, in the days leading up, and, and certainly the weeks, you know, there was no secret at the time the Oilers were looking for a defenseman. Um, and P.K. Subban's name was being floated out there as his, uh, you know, his new contract was going to kick in, but there was a window for the Canadians. Um, I wanted to bring it up. I mean... 
you know, there's other factors too. You know, Maddie, you know, before the kind of the podcast, you know, the the draft. I mean, Pugliarvi became available somehow, some way. Columbus didn't take him as predicted at number three. So the Oilers went ahead and selected Pugliarvi, but they would have taken Sergachev, the defenseman the Canadians ended up taking a couple of picks later. Um, anyways, I just thought I'd bring it up because, you know, P.K. Subban as an Oiler, potentially D- Leon Dreisaitl and... Dreisaitl um, would not have been an Oiler. Yeah, they were giving up too much. And, uh, I, know it, I know it didn't Peter, happen for a reason. Peter just said enough. I'm not trading like three pieces for P.K. Subban. So especially with the dollar figure that he was bringing mm-hmm. with him, you know. PK, eight, PK. eight million a year, so to give up, you know, two young players and pick up eight million dollars, knowing that he'd have to sign Connor McDavid, you know, in short order, he wasn't about to do it. PK probably would have loved it here in Edmonton. You know, I think it's it's hurting him, not being in a hockey market, being in Nashville. There's never a guy who loved the spotlight, loved the cameras, uh, more than PK Subban. And that trade was a real uh, the, the old Eddie Murphy movie, trading places. It was sort of you took a guy PK Subban who loves the spotlight, relishes the spotlight, never met a camera microphone he didn't like. You put him in Nashville, where there's one beat guy who covers the team, and then you take Shea Weber, who would rather never talk to the media and just wants to basically play hockey and go home to his family, and you put him in the Montreal Fishbowl. So it's. Uh, um, you know, Shea Weber at the time of the trade was shocked. He wasn't thrilled about coming to Montreal. I think he was—he figured he was going to end his career in Nashville. He loved living there. He loved everything about it. And uh, PK, you know, PK, everybody, he, he likes being in the spotlight, and the spotlight isn't that big in Nashville for for a hockey player. So I think he would have loved uh, coming to Edmonton if that had ever happened. Certainly not too big, because uh, on the last road trip, Wayne Gretzky went to the rink with Bob Stoffer, the Oilers radio. Voice uh, commentator and Bob had a pass to get in, and the security guy wasn't going to let Wayne in because he had no pass. <laughs> How old was the security? Guard? I have no idea, but Bob eventually said, <laughs> "You know, he's, he's the vice president of the hockey team. He did. He stopped short of saying he's the greatest player who ever lived, <laughs> and there would not be a team in Nashville if Gretzky hadn't gone to Los Angeles. So you wouldn't even have a job at, at this uh, hockey rink because uh, <laughs> of without Gretzky. So." As a Montreal, I'm curious, what's it been like with Wayne back here in the in the Oilers' fold? Well, he's he's around. I mean, he's he's he was on the last trip before the trading deadline. I guess they're asking him all sorts of questions about players and stuff like that. Um, you know, he's been around more so on the road, I think, than in Edmonton. You know, if, if they're in Southern California or Northern California, Wayne usually drops in, and on this on the road trip. Uh, they were all over the place, and they were asking for his autograph more than pretty much everybody <laughs> in the orders except Connor McDavid. So uh, he's still Wayne Gretzky. So he, he, although in Nashville he's sitting in the rink by him, you know, behind Peter Shirelli, and not one person came over and said, "Aren't you Wayne Gretzky?" So is that security guard still working? <laughs> I'm sure he is. <laughs> That's funny. If he was a country singer, I'm sure that they they wouldn't have asked who he was. Yeah. The thing about Nashville, they've they've had. I mean, I know it's not it's not Canada, <clears throat> it's not New York City or Chicago, but you know they have been selling the building out in Nashville, and they have had a good team for the last few years, playoff team. And now this year, last I looked at the standings, although it changes every day, they were um, third, I think, in the conference, uh, or yep, I think so after Minnesota and Chicago. So, but yeah, so even though you know Nashville might be filling the building understandably it's not 
you know, NHL isn't the big game in town in Nashville either, is it? No, it's not. Um, Adam Bingen, who covers the the one beat reporter who covers the Predators, I was talking to him when he was in Montreal recently, and when PK came back, and I was asking him, what's it? What's the fan support like? Is it, it, it's a great place to go watch a game. I mean, everybody has a Predators sweater on. It's the arena's full. It's a fun place. But he was saying he has buddies around his age, and let's say your thirties or whatever. Uh, so they love going to the Predators games. They go downtown. They have a few drinks before. They go to the game. They wear their Predators jerseys. They cheer like crazy for them. The game ends, <coughs> excuse me, and then they forget about hockey. Like they couldn't tell you who's wearing the standings or what's going on. They just love the event of going to the game, but they're not you know, hardcore hockey fans who like Canadians who you know know who's the scoring leader and know where all the teams are in the standings. They, they love going to the hockey game, but once they leave the hockey game, they sort of forget about hockey. But, you know, I'm generalizing a bit, but that seems to be uh, especially with the younger hockey fans there. All I know is the Tennessee in the paper in town uh, when they play a home game, ten inch story and. For sports page, ten inches. So yeah. I mean, he may write more on the website, <coughs> but ten inches in the paper, and that's the, you know, when the Titans aren't playing, you know, it's the only game in town. It's the only pro game in town. So and still ten inches. So yeah, and that the university sports, and they got everything else there too. But it's, uh, but it's, it's like I think a lot of the, like a San Jose's maybe like that too. The hockey fans that are there are hockey fans. You know, they fill the arena, but there's maybe what say 50,000 hockey fans and 18,000 go to the games, something like that. You know, and uh, you know, <coughs> we brought up Wayne Gretzky's name earlier. I mean, P.K. Subban isn't Wayne Gretzky, but once upon a time, Mr. Gretzky did go to L.A., and uh, it takes that level of a player to raise a profile uh, in the United States. If if Wayne had played in Nashville, though, I don't think it would have had the same impact no. as playing in L.A. and True. then the star appeal that he had there and plus with his new wife who was the actress and sort of everything just came together perfect storm I guess to, to for hockey to take off in LA and I think the market had uh, as I said no, and, and you know, all these you're, so you're saying all those other teams are there because of Wayne Gretzky but I think the fact that he went to LA the, that specific market played a big 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 role in that well there wouldn't be a team in San Jose wouldn't be a team in, yeah. in uh, yeah. Anaheim no team in Florida mm-hmm. uh, and no team in Nashville no team in Carolina, probably. So, yeah. uh, and there shouldn't probably be a team in Carolina anyway, or s- necessarily Florida, because they just still don't have too many people in the building. Which makes it so sad that Gretzky was out of the NHL for such a period of time for everything he did for the league and whatever happened there in uh, in Phoenix. Uh, but as a as a as a hockey fan, as much as anything else, I'm I'm happy to see him back with the Oilers, where you know, where he belongs. You know, I can't help but think, you know, Nashville being, you know, uh, not the huge market for the NHL. I mean, obviously Edmonton is a Canadian hockey city. You know, they built a brand new $600 million arena for the team, basically. But it is still, you know, in terms of size and size and where it is in the continent, small market. And, uh, you know, we do have, you know, arguably the star of the league or the one that's going to be the star, if not... By the end of the year, by next year, he's playing here. But, you know, he's not in New York. He's not in Toronto. He's not in Los Angeles. He's in Edmonton. Um, you know, the, the Oilers fan of me thinks, you know, in this day and modern day and age, um, you know, he, he will sign a contract extension, but at one point in time, will he stay? <laughs> Who knows? It's hard to say. Well, Peter Pocklington is not the owner of the owners <laughs> right now. So it depends if Peter, if yeah. Daryl Cates suddenly has a case of the shorts and needs some money, because Peter <laughs> needed some money back in uh, 1988 and sold sold Wayne to Bruce McNall. So I, yeah, I don't, 
you know, today's game, you can pay the players so much money. You know, if he likes the team and they're winning, there's no real reason for him to go. And you're right about the small market. The U.S. carrier of the NHL, NBC, doesn't know the owners exist. I think the owner's been on once all year on NBC. And uh, the guy who might win the Hart Trophy, Connor McDavid, like I said, they've only been on once. And they only think about eight teams exist in the NHL. I'm not sure Pittsburgh, Philadelphia, Washington, Chicago, Detroit. Uh, the Rangers, uh, you know, maybe San Jose, L.A. The rest of the league doesn't exist to the U.S. carrier of the NHL. doesn't matter how good Austin Matthews is or how good Connor McDavid is. They're, they're not on very often. Mm-hmm. And Austin Matthews with the Toronto spotlight, you know, they're obviously bigger than, than what it would be here uh, here in Edmonton. But with Connor McDavid, I mean, you know, we're talking about the, there's the salary cap, so all the teams can only afford to pay certain guys – Whatever the price is, it's not you know it's not like baseball, so it's, uh, it's just a case of working the salary cap around to free up enough money to pay a guy like McDavid to stay. But I think the fact when you get a kid like him who came here so young, I'm you know I'm sure he'll set some roots down here and you know get to know the city and get comfortable. And I think the longer you're in a place, the more likely you are to maybe want to stay. And especially in a hockey market, I mean you know some guys in Montreal, you know some players don't want to come to Montreal because they hate the fishbowl, and other ones love it because they love playing in a hockey market and playing at the Bell Centre every night with a packed house going crazy. And I imagine the same feeling for Oilers players. You're playing in front of a full rink every night, passionate fans. Uh, you watch some of the games around the NHL on TV. I watched a game in Dallas the other night. Uh, there was no, half the arena was empty. And uh, I'm sure it's not a lot of fun playing in that environment every night. But, of course, you know, the NHL is, is a very unique um, uh, it's a very unique league because there's seven Canadian teams. And the other three major professional sports leagues, there's two, both in Toronto, Blue Jays and the Raptors. So it is different because LeBron James plays for the Cleveland Cavaliers. Doesn't play for the New York Knicks or the LA Lakers or the Boston Celtics. Well, LeBron you know, plays wherever he wants to play. Pretty <laughs> much. <laughs> you know, that's what you know, that's one is, a, and you know, his hometown's Cleveland. If he wasn't from Cleveland, I don't think he'd be wanting to play there. But, yeah. yeah. And it is a U.S. Ba- you know, mm-hmm. U.S. based. We're talking about you know NBC and, and television and. And, you know, how lucrative it would be for a a network to pick up games. I mean, the NHL isn't at those levels of the NFL, the NBA, or Major League Baseball when it comes to how much they would command on such a contract. I mean, you know, Sportsnet, we talked about Sportsnet earlier. They're they're the ones, those are the networks that are paying the big money, you know, whatever it is in Canada, not in the United States. I think sports I might regret playing, paying as much money as they did on that deal. But, uh, you know, as you were saying before, you know, in the States, there's what there is, there's eight teams. There's Pittsburgh, Washington, Bruin, Chicago on NBC. It's, you know, it's, it's the same teams yeah. every weekend, yeah. and they call them rivalries. And, mm-hmm. you know, every Wednesday night, it's always the East Coast teams playing. And it's the same teams all along. And, mm-hmm. and like I said, they're the fans in the States, I know it seems easier for them and to have the – more established teams, but if you've got the the rising star in the league, Connor McDavid, what you would think, and the Oilers are a good team now, you mm-hmm. would think they would be on 20 times a year. No matter every time they go east, they'd be on. You know, if they go into Chicago, they're on. You know, whatever they'd be on 20 times, but they're not. So, like I said, they don't know. You think CNBC would even be marketing Connor McDavid? No. Good, seems like a good kid, uh, incredible talent. I know when the Oilers were in Montreal, <coughs> excuse me, on uh, it was Super Bowl weekend, if I remember right, and there was a buzz in Montreal that 
Connor McDavid was coming to town, a lot of kids in the stands, and and the media. I mean, he they made him available to the media before the game, and I've never seen that much Montreal media for a pregame interview with a visiting player in, in a long time. So it's uh, you know he's, he's a star, and he's uh, as you say, I think it would be in NBC's interests to to market the guy who you know could be the Hart Trophy winner. Just to change the gears a bit, but you talk about you know people in Montreal. You know, you see a few McDavid jerseys in the in the crowd. Whenever the Montreal Canadiens play here in Edmonton, but certainly in other Canadian markets that, you know, out west in particular, there are a lot of have bands, a lot of have sweaters in the crowd. You saw it last night and in mm-hmm. Vancouver. Uh, you know, I I was gonna say, you know, we were talking about it before the podcast. I saw a photo from the game last night in the corner and it was plastered with Montreal Canadiens. There was a jersey. whole section in one of the corners that was nothing but Canadians jerseys. A whole section of the stands, and where you really notice it is in the pregame warm-up because fans can go right down. So I know in Vancouver and in Calgary, there were four or five deep all the way along the glass, all in Habs jerseys. Uh, last night in Calgary, the Go Habs Go chant started before the pregame warm-up, and then when the Flames came on the ice for their pregame warm-up, they were booed, which was really bizarre to see a team, a home team, getting booed coming on the ice. Uh, but you know, the at the end of at the end of the game. Uh, the Flames fans uh, in the house were giving up back to been singing the Ole Ole song for the for the Flames beating the Canadians. But it is it's something you know I've seen on TV before. But just being in Vancouver and then in Calgary last night and just seeing the amount of Canadians fans, it's it's really incredible. Yeah, it's been a phenomenon that's been around the entire time the Oilers you know have been in the NHL and any of these teams really, whether it's Calgary or Vancouver or Winnipeg. It's something with the Leafs. I wonder, is it bigger when the Leafs come here, or is it bigger? Bigger when, when the Leafs are here. Yeah, and, and I was going to say mm-hmm. the Maple Leafs are the same way, and because yeah. of the original six, mm-hmm. the only two teams that were in the NHL up until 1970 when they added Vancouver, and eventually the Oilers and Winnipeg and Quebec. The thing that's amazing with the Leafs is they have, they've been bad for so long, and they still have uh, you know, have that support. Mm-hmm. Will there be David Dayarne jerseys? <laughs> <laughs> and will they be Oilers or Habs well, jerseys? I wonder well, if they're selling. Are they even selling David Dayarne I'm jerseys? Sure, they, they are, are not <laughs> selling David Dayarne <laughs> jerseys. Well, somebody will get a custom one made. I've seen an Eric Bologna. I mean, he's wearing thirteen before. now. He says he wanted to wear that in Montreal, and it's verboten in Montreal. Nobody's supposed to wear thirteen in <laughs> Montreal, even though there's six, eight players in the league wearing thirteen. I can't remember uh, if Camilleri wore thirteen in Montreal or not. He says no. He says, no. He yeah, says they don't allow is. 13 yeah. in Montreal, so yeah. I don't know. Yeah. He says, uh, you know, you know Camilleri <laughs> wears it. Atkinson wears it. Mm-hmm. Goodrow wears it. So there's some pretty good players wearing 13. Now Benino wears 13, I think, in Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. So some pretty good players wearing 13. I guess I'm just a little surprised, you know, because here we are. You know, the Oilers have been in the NHL since 1979. Flames, you know, since 1980 in Calgary. Um, and to this day, and that's 37, 30, yeah, it's 37 years ago. 38 years ago when they joined the NHL and to this and you'd think over time you know we'd be diluting the fandom a bit you know, but there's still that strong support for Toronto and Montreal mind you obviously there's a uh, fathers and mothers passing down their allegiances to their children didn't work in my case since my father is a Habs fan but I did grow up here uh, with the Gretzky years and everything but it I don't know what I don't even know how what to say about that. I mean, such strong ties to these, you know, to Montreal and Toronto. I'll tell you a story. Just last night after the game, I got back to the hotel and I just went to the bar to have a beer before I went to bed. And I was talking with a young woman there wearing a Canadian sweater, and uh, I said, "They're you know from Calgary," and she says, "No, she was from Lethbridge or somewhere like that." And she said, uh, "I said, you just come to town for the game." She says, "Yeah." She says, "My grandfather was a Canadians fan." 
and all I did was ever talk about the Canadians and every time the Canadians come to town I go to see the game because of my grandfather so it was sort of interesting I guess a lot of that is what it is and we talk about you know the Leafs have been bad for so long but I guess it's been handed down from generation to generation uh, whether you're Habs or Leafs I would suggest that if you're a younger fan you don't care what your dad supported you would be an Oiler fan if you're in Edmonton and uh, you know rather than a, a you know a Leaf fan or a Canadians fan if you're a younger if you're in your 20s I would suggest you should probably be have an Oiler jersey on not a Montreal Canadiens or Toronto Maple Leaf because that was your dad's team not your team but mm-hmm. um, that was a good story about the grandfather so um, I don't root for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers anymore and I grew up uh, in Winnipeg so I don't root for the Eskimos either, but the Eskimos are the team that's in my town now, so the Blue Bombers, you know, so what? <laughs> Maybe it's a bit of a Canadian phenomenon, too, because when you, see, you know, when you see the Canadian national soccer team play against whatever country they're playing against in Canada, there's more supporters for, you know, the visiting country from people who are from that country or whatever, but, uh, yeah, it's interesting. It's a, And I think, you know, when my, my son was younger, he was like a Sidney Crosby fan, I think. You know, and there's a lot of Montrealers who, at my age group, they were Boston Bruin fans. You know, I grew up in Montreal. I was a Canadiens fan. And my two favorite players, my favorite player was Bobby Orr. My second favorite player was Guy Lapointe. So I was, uh, I, I wasn't a Bruins fan. I was a Bobby Orr fan. But uh, I know friends of mine who became Bruins fans in Montreal because of Bobby Orr. We can't forget that the Canadians have won by far more Stanley Cups than anybody in NHL history. It was 26. 24. 24. Sorry, we need two more. Mm-hmm. Get them. Yeah. It'll be a long time before they win two more, I think. <laughs> but no, that's it has been a long time since they yeah. won. It has yeah, been. Yeah, it's yeah, true. Yeah, the Oilers. Yeah. Like the Oilers. Yeah. So, you know, but before, like you know. Calgary, you know. So it's been 24 years, but, you know, so you didn't even hear the 100th anniversary. So in 76 years, the Canadians basically won every three years, so. Yeah. Or the equivalent of. So there's something to be said for that, too. I mean, it's the New York Yankees phenomenon. Oh, there. I mean, they won, what, five in a row, and they won yeah. four in a row once. They won. You know, yeah. that, I mean, yeah. look at just the Hall. Look okay, at but they the were Hall winning them a lot of those in a six-team league. Exactly. Sure. And, and then exactly. after expansion. We're not talking the original yes. 30 here. <laughs> no, no, no. So no. And then then after, that was the, the six-team league. So yeah. and as I recall, there was four good teams, and Boston and the Rangers back in those days were not very good. Chicago and Detroit. Yeah. Montreal and Toronto were the best teams, and Boston and the Rangers were not. So it was yeah. a four-team league, yeah. basically. So. With expansion, you know, the California Golden Seals, you know, these talk about Guy Lafleur would smoke cigarettes before the game. So I think he probably could have smoked cigarettes on, during the game against those teams. And still put up his three, four. Go ahead. Ash on those points. <laughs> exactly. So. Yeah. Exactly. And still put up the points. So that's, you know, some of those stats are are especially from that, you know, the first expansion when you had the, you know, the six teams in the expansion division and the six teams in the other division. There was a lot of blowouts. Uh, a lot of points were put on the board. Yeah. You know, just you know, me trying to find things to talk about. Of course, there's always tons to talk about. But just knowing Stu is going to be on the podcast, you know, trying to get a Montreal theme to our podcast, thinking, oh, how many, how many people from Edmonton, Northern Alberta, Central Alberta, played for the Montreal Canadiens who might have been, you know, a notable player, maybe a Hockey Hall of Famer. Like, uh, you know, was Tom Johnson from Edmonton? No, he's from Winnipeg. You know, uh, Paul, D- Doug Harvey obviously is from Montreal, uh, Anglo from Montreal. You know, and there have been play. You know, uh, Brandon, Brandon Gallagher. Brandon Gallagher mm-hmm. is, is uh, born in Edmonton. You know, spent half his childhood here. Um, it's Sheldon Surrey's from the area as well. Elk Point uh, played for played for the Canadians, mm-hmm. but you know, we don't have any Hockey Hall of Famers um, who played for the Montreal Canadiens who hail from this area. But I was thinking to myself. Well, then again, this it's pretty explainable though. I mean, number one, 
you know, uh, original six era was very territorial. Randy Music doesn't count. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have I my golf with Randy at the Highlands, <laughs> and he did play some games for the Montreal Canadiens. I think his name, I, I mean, he got a ring. I don't think his name's on the cup in '93. Okay, I don't or maybe '86 because he was he says he was on the team and practicing with him in the playoffs. So. Randy oh. Busick. <laughs> I ran, you know, I just ran through a list of players from Alberta who played in the NHL. You know, Kyle Chipchura played for the Canadiens. He's from Westlock. Alex Ald from Cold Lake. You know, played a season as a back goalie for the Canadiens. Um, John Cordick is from Edmonton. Uh, Brian Scrudlin was born in Peace River, although I think he grew up in Saskatchewan. You know, and uh, Zarly- I love Brian Scrudlin when he's with the Canadian sport. He's never a hard, more hardworking guy who yeah. gave everything he had than Brian Scrudlin. You know, Zarly Zalapsky played of a season with the Habs too but you know no obviously no Rocket Richards or Jean Beliveau types you know or Tom Johnson's for that matter who've, from Edmonton but at the same time I mean you know like like I was saying you know back in the original six era, era you know Edmonton wasn't a part of the region that the Habs drew their players from they, they had come back to themselves mm-hmm. in eastern Canada yeah. you know the Edmonton the, the, the Edmonton Flyers in the 50s were the Detroit Red Wings uh, farm team. And Glenn Hall played for the Flyers. Um, and, uh, you know, even going back to, you know, almost 100 years ago, I mean, the the old Eskimos hockey team was the basis for the, the Boston Bruins. I mean, the, they basically bought the, the roster and moved them to Boston to become the Boston Bruins. But anyway, but there was one player <laughs> in all my looking for somebody who did have some sort of an interesting uh, impact on the Habs in history. Joe Benoit of St. Albert. You know, you look at the name, you think he's probably from Quebec. He's got the last name of Benoit. But it turns out he was born in St. Albert, Alberta, and I understand he lived in Alberta and ended up with the Canadians. I think he scored 30 goals one year. You know, and this is pre-Rocket Richard years. So that's pretty good, you know, since Rocket mm-hmm. was the first guy to score 50 in 50. But, uh, you know, Joe Benoit played on the punchline with Toe Blake and Elmer Locke before Rocket Richard came along. And as far as I understand it, he went off to war, and who replaced him? None other than Maurice Richard. Richard. So there is a, there is a, there is an Edmonton connection. There is a you. history I'm, lesson I'm for old. There you go. I'm old, but I'm not that old. Week <laughs> and every, for this week and every week, and no, I've never heard of Joe Benoit. I'm old. You know, we were talking about Brendan Gallagher, though, before. I did a column this week. I was on YouTube, and I noticed there's a – a uh, really cool about a two-minute video of Brendan Gallagher playing novice hockey. It's the Brick Novice Tournament yep. that's here uh, in yep. Edmonton, and uh, it's really funny if uh, the listeners I want to check it out. Uh, you watch it, and you'll immediately know who Brendan Gallagher is. He's the smallest guy on the ice, and he's crashing into the goalie every time he's on the ice almost. So it's, sort of, it's a neat uh, neat little video to watch. Yeah. Well, I think we'll end it there. It's a, I think it's the longest podcast in Oilers podcast history. So <laughs> You're breaking this into about six parts <laughs> or what? <laughs> Well, you know, let's see how long are we going here. My goodness, 41 minutes wow. already. Well, wow, that is definitely up there. But I'm sure we'll have more to talk about if... Uh, it's 20 games of ice time for David Day, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> or third period ice time. <laughs> anyway, Stuart, Stu, thanks for uh, being our guest My on the pleasure. podcast. My pleasure, a lot of fun. And I hope you enjoy Edmondson while you're here. Mm-hmm. And uh, thanks very much. My pleasure.